back to school back to school back to school so much fucking coughing and back to school literally welcome to the recovery episode of 21st century rocker mom podcast with me your host uh, and 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 like let's just say we're gonna be sponsored by robitussin cough syrup this week dm it was an antihistamine because it's been a whirlwind of a week and two weeks really and i'm just in the recovery period like say just getting over a cold that's why i sound so lovely but like i say some kid directly coughed like right up in my fucking grill at school because i've been going to school as some of you know to do insulin administration for my son so for diabetes so the truth is i saw the cool of coming my future i just didn't know when it was going to come i was just like fuck that kid that just like misted me up in the grill he crop dusted me with this cold i'm fucked right i'm just like oh fuck so like i say welcome to another fun-filled episode of 21st century rocker mom podcast you know you love it oh shit I didn't know how I was going to be feeling. I didn't know if I was going to be feeling good enough to do this episode, but I actually am on the mend, so I'm good. Everybody's going back to school on Monday. Everybody's, you know, everybody's back to their regular routine. It's probably Monday where you are. It's Sunday where I am because that's when I record. And then, you know, I spit out to you on Monday and, you know, that's what I do. Uh, this week and the last few weeks have been channeling, I've been trying to channel my inner Disney princess, but like the me version. So like, Hellsa. And I have like a friend who makes like uh, Norwegian like death metal Barbie dolls. And so I've seen his Hellsa. So I'm trying to be like Elsa, but you know, with like Norwegian death metal makeup, like with the corpse paint and stuff on. You know what I'm saying? But like most of you are aware that my eldest has type 1 diabetes. And so I got and he chose for me to be his nurse at school and so like i'm there to support my son and my daughter there too so i've kind of gone back to school which is like tore up from the floor up crazy right like you know what i mean but i'm there and so when the kids get sick mom gets sick too but like on the other hand they're building a lot of independence in the school with like my son especially and my daughter like i with his diabetes which is amazing and so it's like the whole like that's why i say i'm like Elsa, i'm like elsa like it's like the let it go, let it go, can't hold it back anymore. You know, I, I've had to let a lot of things go. And letting go is not always easy for everybody, right? And I'm not one of those parents that's like, woohoo, you're back to school. Fuck off. Get out of my face. I don't want to see you for, you know, eight hours a day and fuck, I'll see you on the weekend. I am not that parent. I just never have been. I'm just, I don't know, just not that mom. So after the kids are dropped off, I head to, like I said before, the mall. You've seen it in my stories to write for a little bit and I brainstorm or I'll have a pretzel or something or I'll have Tim Hortons or whatever. And I brainstorm either scent profiles or I write stuff for the show. And sometimes I come home and I like fill orders or whatever, but I generally head to the mall because my son sometimes has an emergency like right after I drop him off and the school has a hard time like navigating it because it's early days still for the kids at school. So I got to be right back there. So I'm like, I'll be right across the street. It's cool. No big deal. And then I'll do oils and fulfill orders in the afternoon. 
So just switch my day around. It's not a big deal or whatever. Or I'll do it when the kids are home or sleeping. Easy. And like, why do I head to the mall to write? Like of all places, not just because it's easy. It's across the street, whatever like that. Why? Because nostalgia. I grew up at that mall, even though there's like really nothing there now. Like I say, there's a bitchin' pretzel place. Like I get a good pretzel from there. They'll have like a Slurpee or a slushie. I'll talk more on slushies later. Oh, slushies. But like the mall was the place to be. Like when I was like in grade eight, like we got to sneak over there. Or but like high school, we were always over there because they're across the street from it. So your parents really couldn't say don't go to the mall because inevitably you'd end up at the friggin' mall. Or we'd end up at this bar called the West End, or we'd end up at the Westmount Twin Cinema Theaters. It was like theaters that were underground. We'd go skip school and see movies and stuff. So, but the mall was the fucking place to be. And the stores, like just generally, were amazing. And I started writing down the stores that I loved. And then I like looked at my list and then I realized I'm like, I should probably, probably just like name these off the top of my head because they were all like places that I'd eaten. I'm like, like Mrs. Vanelli's Pizza that used to be there. There's a place called Made in Japan that would do like cooking in front of you, like demonstrations. But they had like a, a an arcade called Wizard's Castle. They had a pet store back then called like Living Things. You get goldfish, gerbils, mice, snakes. There are kitty cats in the window, puppy dogs. You know, it was the 80s, right? There were two toy stores, like one kind of on top of each other. You take the elevator up and there's one upstairs and it was more of a hobby toy shop. They had like model planes and model trains, but then different toys too. And then downstairs was more of your traditional toy shop. And there was like a, a department store there, like a Zellers. And there, there's all kinds of things. There's a bay. There was so many, there's Music World, which was so awesome. And there was an HMV where we used to buy all our, like our stuff, like our, our records and our tapes and our CDs and stuff. There's like a fun popcorn place, like on the way to the bathroom, you could just come out and get a, a handful of popcorn. Like what if you didn't wash your hands? Don't take the samples of kernels, people. But we had like a good like card store. And like we just, like the mall was really the place to, to be back then. It was, every store was like, every space was accounted for by a good store. And it was, it was somewhere you'd want to shop. We had a huge bookstore like within the mall. We had like a big place called Whiff and Puff where you could get all your like tobacco and cigars and like pipe stuff. And of course I didn't appreciate it back then because I was just like a store for like older men. But now me being an older man, just, just kidding, totally kidding. But now me like appreciating like cigars and stuff like that. I appreciate, I'm like, we don't have any cigars like that or stores like that right by my house because it used to be right by my freaking house and now it's gone. And that's all office space. And let me just say, it was just, <clears throat> It was a good place to be. And the fact that I named all restaurants is just funny. I mean, let's face it. I named all restaurants because I love food. I'm a foodie. I, I love it. And now, like, after recently leaving vegan lifestyle, like, I was never, like, let me tell you, I was never really, a, like, a meat is murder vegan. Like, this is obviously not real. But, like, I, I never preached anyone to eat vegan because, I mean, the only reason I was eating vegan is because I cannot or could not at the time digest any animal protein in my system. And so like now with the seizures and stuff, if you've been following along with my health crap, uh, the doctor suggested that, you know, introducing small amounts of animal protein into my diet and I had, and it really like beefed up what, no pun intended, beefed up like my health and me feeling better and like the, the, the frequency of seizures has gone like down now that I've had like meat and more protein. 
um, from like animal derivative in my diet. That's what I found for me. I'm not saying that it works for everybody, but I was never I'm like a meat is murder vegan person. It just didn't work for my body, right? I don't preach to anyone about what the frick they should eat. I don't give a shit what you eat, but just, you know what I mean? I'm not preachy. So now like I have no digestion issues. So I guess this weekend, One of the highlights of the Toronto International Film Festival is that we ate like kings and queens and I ate my fucking face off. Like I let my inner fat get like right out. I had some Egyptian food. It was absolutely to die for. There was like a food truck wagon like outside of our hotel. They had King Street like west where it kind of was and everything like blocked right off kind of like in, in like literally like a little cube. And so everything was blocked off, so no cars, no street cars could come, so you could just walk in the middle of the street. And they had tents and demonstrations with different vendors and cool stuff and information about all different kinds of films for all different walks of life. They had like a pop-up Studio Ghibli event because there was a new movie there and like really cool stuff. And then obviously like Rob's film was there, so like we were there for that. But it was really, really, really cool because like I let my fat kid like seriously go wild like our our room service was like beauty and the beast style like room service like the guy like was like knock 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 may i come in sure you absolutely you may be uh guest be uh guest he's just like unveiling dishes it was like amazing it was like i was just like hell yeah i want to clap my hands like be like bell like on beauty and the beast but i i didn't like i i kept my composure but like the best thing about Toronto is that like it's Hollywood North, right? So there was like every kind of food from every kind of culture imaginable. So I could get whatever I wanted. So if I wanted Egyptian food, it wasn't so far off the grid that I couldn't get it. Egyptian foods far and few between in London, Ontario. But like when we go to Toronto, like I like to fill up on things that I don't have here. But like we did have like breakfast. I'm going to go around the world and like food highlights because I had, like there's a most, the, the, chef, the, the chef of the hotel was amazing. And he made like a really authentic chicken curry coconut stew that I replicated at home. But it was just fantastic. It was so warm when we got there because it was kind of a cool night when we did get there. So I was like, Rob's like, what do you want for dinner? And I was like, Ma, I just feel like some soup or something, man. And he's like, okay, so we got like soup. And then I ordered like a club sandwich and I ordered like French fries. Their French fries were the tits. They were like fresh carved potatoes. They just did everything. Everything was like fresh to order. And then they like made their own mayonnaise. Everything was like house. They did aioli and everything. Very impressed by where we stayed. They were really nice and they were good to us. Like they treated us nice. The rooms were like so clean and like the staff was so good. I can't say enough. They were like really, really good. But like I say, I had a bison burger. Well, I had a bite of a bison burger in bed with my eldest on like one of the nights where we just like had a sleepover in the hotel because like Rob had another screening. But the kids had been laid out like the night before and then they like they're out you know it's late past their bedtime and like they were getting the sniffles and i'm like i was getting the sniffles and i'm like uh oh so i better not go anywhere so i didn't stayed in oh my god but like the food truck was a mill like it was just like a million dollar food truck i can't believe i just found this place like out of nowhere they had amazing food and then like willem dafoe with green goblin you know boondock saints he commented on my breakfast which is like amazing and my breakfast was like giant it was like three eggs and like four strips of bacon it was like four pieces of it was like a breakfast for a giant for crying out pete 
And so he was just like, I hope that's good. Didn't I want to die? Like, I had many starstruck moments, but I didn't take any pictures because, like, everybody's there kind of, like, to maintain their kind of, like, anonymity. And you can, like, take pictures with the press, but it's just... Everybody else, I'm sure, wants everybody there to F off. Like, it's just probably the way... It just... I just know actors in the entertainment world, they like to maintain their anonymity. It doesn't make them sad to kind of, like, disappear for a little bit, you know what I mean? Not be asked any questions. But then... <coughs> daily in this hotel that we stayed at which did really like I say impressed me we'd get to f get fish food from the the hotel lobby like uh gentleman or the lady that was there and they'd give us it's funny because the fish food came in dime bags and they'd give it to the kids and they'd go feed these like really intelligent koi fish they knew when the food was coming they'd like swim up to the kids hands and some of them were like this big they were freaking huge they were like this big around and the kids were feeding them. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. We got good pictures of them like doing it. They had a fun time. Like they had a really good time. It was a good family like trip. Like I said, I said I talk about TIFF on this episode and what happened in the Toronto International Film Festival, which was like you know Hollywood North. It's way important in Canada and it's really important for like internationally around the world because Toronto International Film Festival. Like don't you know? <clears throat> We headed up to Toronto on Friday, so that was good to kick off the Toronto International Film Festival. And because Rob obviously had a film premiering in the festival, so we went up there to support him. And it was a pretty magical whirlwind of a weekend. It was crazy, but it was really fun. There were so many special moments and people, and I couldn't be like more like lit up about the whole thing. It was really, really nice. And it really was like magical. And I could definitely feel the energy of Mr. Dress Up around. It was pretty cool. Starters, Rob's film, Mr. Dress Up, The Magic of Make Believe, made its world premiere at the Toronto International Film Festival. And like I said, I hadn't seen a single frame. And that was by design. I didn't want to see any of his movie because I wanted to see it with the regular audience and see what everybody thought of it at the same time and be part of that experience, you know? And one of the girls who was doing publicity, she, she was the publicist, she got a reaction all right. And I, of course, I was losing it because it's really emotional. It's a great film. It was really, really good. It was, it was excellent. So like I was, I was probably crying. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Whatever. Sue me. But it was good. And like it was, it was everything that I actually didn't know. Like I had no idea what to expect. So I'll tell you about that in a minute. But 15 minutes before I told you this, I had a wardrobe malfunction. Oh my God, we had a communication breakdown. Holy shit. I didn't tell Rob this at all. So I show up wearing something completely differently than I had planned and told him that I was going to wear. He didn't say anything because I looked smashing, obviously. But 15 minutes before we're supposed to go, I put on what I was going to wear, which is a red dress. And I was going to put this other thing over top of it to wear. And the stitching in it let go. And the whole fucking sleeve came off. Oh, fuck. Well, you know me. I packed like six dresses in case something went wrong because that's me in my head. I'm like, oh, oh whatever will go wrong. Definitely will definitely go wrong. We have to go to a red carpet premiere for your Mr. Dress Up documentary at Toronto International Health Film Festival with your partner and your kids. And the kids look top notch, right? So I want to look top notch too. So... I threw on, you cannot go wrong in a little black dress. You can't 
go wrong in a little black lace dress. You can always look your best in a little black dress. So that's what I put on. I had black shoes already. I looked adorable and I think I looked adorable. And uh, the press told me I looked adorable because I'm just a little thing. I don't have, I can't wear those long, like super slinky dresses that go down to your legs. Cause I'm like, like, do they go down to your ankles? Cause I'm not five foot tall. So it looks like Bilbo Baggins like goes to the ball. So I'm not going to wear anything like that. So I have to wear, you know, cute dresses, you know? So it was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. It was beautiful. <clears throat> it actually turned out best that I wore the black dress because it just looked stunning. It matched the kids, it matched Rob, everybody matched, everything looked nice with the pictures. Now let me, let me, let me, let me, without spoiling it, tell you about the film, because holy smokes, it was not 100% what I expected at all. I'm not saying this in a good way because I didn't know what to, what was heading at me. I didn't know what was coming my way with this film. I was, I was blown away, like with emotion, with love, with respect, with compassion for a man whose generations of like kindness and compassion influenced generations of people and kids and mean so much, mean, I'm not saying meant, mean so much to people now. And then I hear today, it just comes on the news that Rob's film won the People's Choice Award for the best documentary in the Toronto International Film Festival. So he won, he, like they announced all the runners up and they said that his won. So the Mr. Dress Up film won, the people have spoken. It's, it's an awesome film. And it's just like, I think that Mr. Dress Up taught so many legions of kids that they could just kind of like be whatever they wanted. If they dream big enough, they could just have and be whatever they wanted. and so many generations of kids did because of him. Mm. I don't get starstruck like very often, like when we go places or anything, like we saw a lot of celebrities this weekend, I'll tell you about them. And I don't really get like starstruck very often, but when the bare naked ladies walked into the career, I was just like, mm. Oh my God, I guess I really respect them as musicians and stuff. So Rob's just like, it was kind of like, like hosing me and like laughing at me. But they were nearby and uh, there was a lot of like celebs and stuff there, but everybody was uh, really cool. Like, but the kids in the hall were there. Um, if you don't know who that is, you're probably not Canadian. Who is that? Meanwhile, I'm Canadian. I'm just like... I came off the elevator that night <clears throat> and you'll never guess who I came off the elevator with. I came off the elevator with Sam Crenshaw. And if you don't know who this is and you're not Canadian, you better look this shit up. Cause in, in Canada, today's special was like, like a seriously important television show. And we took it really seriously. CBC, we were lucky enough to have the CBC and have good shows like Mr. Dress Up and Today's Special and The Polka Dot Door. Good television programming, educational programming for kids and things you can watch like The Friendly Giant. We still have good things like that. Mr. Dress Up though really took the cake if you were lucky enough to live across the pond, even like in Michigan, for instance. If you lived in Michigan, you probably grew up watching Mr. Dress Up because I have a few American friends that are like, I, you know, I watched Mr. Dress Up growing up. I'm like, 
you lived just really across the pond, enough to get the channels where you would see Mr. Dressup. And he was so magical. And I have so many American friends who really, 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 really loved and still love Mr. Dressup. And like by, like I tell you, by the time this film is finished and was finished and like was over in the theater, there was not one dry eye in the friggin' house. Even my kids were like really emotional. I'm serious. And they're little, like it was so emotional, like in the best way possible. It was nostalgic. It was heartwarming. It just hit you right in the feels like, holy smokes, it's honest. It really not only shone a spotlight on a man who was like, completely the same on stage as he was off stage. But it also highlighted Judith Lawrence, who you might know is just like Casey and Finnegan. But like, did you know that she was the first person to introduce a non-binary character into a television program? Her and Mr. Dressup did that together. They worked really hand in hand and they were really a team. And they really highlight the like, the femininity and the feminism that went into Mr. Dressup and how much he and her kind of invented inclusiveness for television because that wasn't happening back then. And I was talking to someone at Toronto uh, uh, International Film Festival. There's a really great organization called Inside Out and they are really focused on inclusive film, inclusive television. And that's they were interested in the Mr. Dressup documentary because they were going to see it because, like I say, Casey's the first non-binary character. That's huge because no one was doing that back then and they weren't certainly told to by the networks or anything like that. They did that because they wanted to be inclusive and they were having people of color on their show. None of the other shows, children's shows especially, were doing that. It just wasn't happening. But Mr. Dressup really broke barriers and like, what can I say? He was inclusive, he was kind. It wasn't like anything else going on at the time. And not even really now. Like there's not really much going on that's inclusive now. He showed kindness as a compulsory, like that you needed to do it. He just showed it as something he did every day. And it's nearly unheard of these days that we show kindness as compulsory because we don't. If we could all take a nod from Mr. Dressup, I think maybe perhaps would be like we'd be sitting in a better world. Like we'd be, you know, sitting around, maybe patting each other on the back a little bit more instead of, you know, complaining at each other. Anyways, that's what I'll say. I mentioned to you that while we were at uh, the film festival, that Simon Baker was in my stories. Like if you're watching my stories on Instagram, you'd know that Simon Baker was in there. And I said that I was gonna talk to you about Simon Baker and what happened at the film festival with Simon Baker. <gasps> oh, is it scandalous? No, it's not scandalous. Is it awesome? Yeah, it is. He was across the hall, like our across the hall neighbor in the hotel we were staying at. He was staying right across from us. And one day we got out of the elevator. We didn't know that he was across the hall. Maybe we saw him come out of his room and we didn't think anything about it because we didn't really see him. Now, Patrick Baker plays the, the mentalist, right? So have you ever seen that show? Just look up Patrick Baker. You'll, 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 you'll see him. I'll talk to you about him in a, in a minute. So we didn't know he was our across the hall hotel neighbor. So one day we come out of we're the hotel and we're just like heading to go somewhere, take the kids to Queen Street, probably go to Steve's to go to Steve's music and look at bases or something like that. And he's coming out in front of us and there's this guy in front of us. I don't know who the hell it is. We end up at the same elevator and Rob's like, mm. Mm. he's like telling me like, look at him with my eyes. And I'm like, are you having a stroke? What's wrong with you? And he's like, 
motioning me to like look over and I'm like, what the fuck is it? And I look over and I'm like, there's the fucking mentalist standing right there. And he's just, so I'm like, okay, I could play this one of two ways. I could like be like, can I get my picture taken with you and look like a dink? Or I could just stand there and whatever. So he started talking to us and talking to the kids. He was like, what's on your shirt? And my son had like an LGBTQ shirt on that said something about peace and love and respect and just respecting the community. And I, he's like, what does your shirt say? And my shirt said, separation of church and state, bitch. And he said, I like that. And I was like, oh, I, I, I like that. And my daughter had a peanut shirt on, like a Charles Schultz peanut shirt on. He thought it was cute. And Rob had a Megadeth shirt on. So he was talking to us about shirts and acting and all kinds of stuff. We just kind of acted like he was just someone that we didn't know who he was. So I think he thought we were just really ignorant, but we didn't want to bug him. You know what I mean? He's probably there doing stuff for the film festival and didn't want to be annoyed. So we didn't annoy him. But was he ever nice? He was super nice. He is like Australia's Patrick Dempsey. And this is according to one of my guy friends. He's, he maintains that that Simon Baker is Australia's answer to Patrick Dempsey. And I'm, you know what? I'm going to have to agree with him that 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 is true. You know who you are. I'm, I, oh my God, it's amazing. So we rode 15 floors and just chatted with with Australia's Patrick Dempsey. And it was really nice to see him because he's really down to earth and just like normal. So we got off the elevator. We went our separate ways, probably went to feed the koi fish and whatever. And I just maintained I had no idea who he was. And then I called my mom and my mother-in-law because I had to let them both know because they both have giant crushes on him and they think he's super cute and they think he's like the bee's knees and the cat's pajamas. I had to let them both know. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, guess what? And they, the both of them were like, oh, that's crazy. So it was, it was good. It was actually, it's, it's great because both of them think that he's totally sex on toast. Is that served hot or cold? Hot. Hot, baby. That's how you have sex on toast. It's actually been great hanging out with my mother-in-law. I struggle. I struggle, though, with mother-in-law trauma. Do you know what that is? Mm. I'm gonna be completely honest. I have mother-in-law trauma and I've never, ever, ever had a nice mother-in-law until Rob, ever, ever. I'm not joking. My first marriage, I did not hit the jackpot. I hit the crack pot and it was a crack shot. Like, oh fuck, that was not a good situation. Ever seen Hannah and her sisters, that like weird Woody Allen movie? Well, the holidays were always fun. Three sisters, all alcoholics, substance abuses. Uh, one always crying, one always yelling, and the other one always trying to keep the peace. They've all got married boyfriends, so everybody's a mistress on the side, everybody's like a side piece. It's just amazing. Just Unfucking real, like unbelievable. Just a lot of issues. Uh, like I say, like holidays were always really drunk. They didn't really like like me. Like when I was in my first marriage, my partner's like entire family, on one side especially, was really shitty to me, and like I just don't experience that like now. So I like. It's weird to say this, but it's true. It's, it's, it's the story I can tell you. Why? Why were they shady to me? Because I speak up, I speak my mind, I take no shit. 
I believe my own, like, you know, I have my own political beliefs, I have my own religious beliefs, whatever, spiritual beliefs, whatever. And like, I just don't take any shit from anyone. I just tell like it is, that's just me. Everybody knows how I am. That's just how I am. It's not, a, it's not an excuse or a dig, it's just, I stand up for myself, I don't take any shit. And they didn't like that. And I don't take racism or homophobia or ableism or anything like that as a joke. That kind of stuff isn't funny to me. And because I wouldn't jump on their side and treat it like it was funny, they just didn't accept me as one of their own and just kind of shit on it when I would defend that kind of stuff. So I was like, you know what? Let's just say intellectually, we're just not on the same level, which is fine. Because I wouldn't join in on the KKK rallies that were their bitch fests. I just didn't want to. I was a bitch and I would stick up for my ass and stick up for other people and cool. And if I have a stick up my ass, I'll rock that fucking stick all day. I don't care. I stick up for whatever I want. We cannot choose our families, but we can choose to get out of toxic fucking situations and toxic fucking relationships with weird shit and just avoid that altogether because it's bad. It's not good for you. It's not good for you. One time there was this really raunchy bachelor party that my first husband was invited to and <clears throat> he wanted to go to and he asked me like kind of how I felt about it, which really surprised me because I was like, this is weird that you would ask me how I felt about it. I don't think he gave a fuck how I felt about it, but he, he wanted to know. So it was in Niagara Falls fine. It was at the Sundowner. That's not, uh, it's not really like a strip club. Like I would like, if it was just the peelers, like I could understand a strip club for a bachelor party. However, the Sundowner is like, it's like live porn. So I was just kind of like, um, I'd be kind of like uncomfortable with you going or whatever. And so he got like mouthy with me about it. And so I was like, I think that's a bit over the top. You know, like I just kind of like remarked that his mom got wind that he wasn't going and she got started with me and she was fucking pissed and she started yelling at me and inevitably she started chasing me around her dining room table with a fucking meat cleaver in her hand. She was going apeshit. She had one of those redheaded Irish tempers. Well, thank God she didn't have the Irish curse. Sorry, Irish people, men, boys. Uh, if. If you're Irish, I apologize, but you don't want to have the Irish curse. So let's not go there. But this is why I'm so stoked to have like a good and a kick-ass mother-in-law because I've been there, man, in the, in the midst of out, like outlaw, in-law, like mother-in-law hell. And it's not been good. Hannah's sisters got me. Hannah and her sisters got me. It's been a long time coming that I, since I had someone nice to me. And not only is she like a good like mother-in-law because I can have like coffee with her and we can chill out and we can talk and chat and whatever, but she's like a really good grandmother to like our kids and everything like that. She gets down on the floor with them and she just crafts with them and she she listens to them and she's attentive and stuff like that. She like she always like has something for them to do, right? You know what I mean? Like that's the way I call them grandparents because they're just a little bit grander than we are. They have fun stories and stuff like that. Stuff that we may not know or may not remember or may not be aware of, they all know or they may have some knowledge to pass down. You know, I mean, that's what's cool about grandparents. They have picture books and stuff like that and pictures of old stuff and slides that we wouldn't know about. Like all the things that my dad like left me when he 
passed away. Like he had pictures of things I haven't seen for years that I didn't know existed. And then I, I found out that they did because he gave them to me. That's why grandparents are, like I say, so grand. She brought me some flowers the other day and I was pretty stressed out because there was like a tropical storm going on. I was just losing my mind. She told me that Tina, you need to stop and smell the flowers and just, just take a deep breath and just stop and smell the flowers. And then, so my youngest was dinking around with some fortune cookies because I bought fortune cookies from the bulk store. And she opened the fortune cookies and no word of a lie, the freaking fortune said, you must stop and smell the flowers. So my mother-in-law tucked it into the bouquet and I just almost fell over because I was just like, what? So that was some kind of sign from God knows where. That's crazy. Like, that's just nuts. I very much believe in signs, though. So that was a sign from goodness knows where. Now, things I don't believe in. Things I don't believe in. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Like, you don't, this is not good. I don't want this to come out the wrong way. This is something that I don't believe in because I don't believe it's a necessity. And it's marriage. I don't believe that getting married is necessary to a relationship and to make it work. Maybe it's because my ass of an ex-husband will not give me a divorce. Like, he just won't give me one legally after almost seven fucking years I've been with Rob. Seven years. We're married in our hearts, in our minds. We're married. And, you know, we, like, we wear rings on our fingers because we're, like, we're married. If that we think, I mean, but he will not give me a divorce. So I have to petition for one. That's uh, interesting. So, I mean, <clears throat> I think it's a very expensive piece of paper. And I think it's a very pricey party and an expensive dinner, an expensive per plate thing. It's an expensive dance, an expensive afterwards. So it's a lot of booze. It's a lot of getting crazy. It's a lot of cleaning up. It's crazy. Weddings are nuts. And if we do get married legally, like I'll tell you, if I get my divorce forced, like I'm trying to, if, if Rob and I get married legally, it'll be like a small wedding and my like bridesmaids, I will have two bridesmaids. One will be my best friend, Aaron, and the other one will be my daughter. And then like our son will obviously be in the wedding party and they'll have like beardsmen instead of like bridesmaids. They'll be beardsmaids. I don't know what they're gonna be, but anyways, those are my, my bearded friends. <laughs> That's it. That's what I'm going to have when I get married. That's it. That's all. That's all. That's what I can say. But like no more, no more girls <laughs> in the wedding party. My first wedding was totally over the top. And for what? Nothing, to be perfectly honest. You pay the preacher on the way in and you continue to pay the lawyers on the way out and beyond then. Speaking of over the top, hooters, 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 hooters. My son, okay, okay, okay. My son and I, like he and I would watch Blended a few times with Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore. And we watched Blended, oh, I know, a couple times. And he just thought it was the funniest movie ever. And a lot of the beginning of the movie plot is set in Hooters and they're meeting at Hooters for supper and stuff. And he didn't believe me that it was a real restaurant. He thought it was made up for the movie. And if it was real, then it was only existing in America. So when we were in Toronto, well, there was Hooters. And so I was like, come here, buddy. Come here. Like, so I took him to Hooters. Oh my God, he wanted to run the fuck out of there. He did not want to be at Hooters at all. I was like, want to go in and want to go talk to the waitresses? He's like, and he saw the size of their breasts. And it was like, mm-mm. I was like, now do you know why they call it Hooters? And he's like, it has nothing to do with owls. 
It was nothing. He was so embarrassed. It was cute, but I felt bad for him because, like, you know, he's young, right? He's just he's he's only he's he's only eight. So he didn't think Hooters was real, and you know what I didn't think was real? A block away from Hooters, cannabis infused slushies. Really cool. I didn't think that was real, but it is. They have this in Toronto. Look for it on on Queen Street West in Toronto. You gotta do it. Delightful. It doesn't dye your, you know what. If you go to the washroom, number two, it doesn't diet colors like Kool-Aid can. Kool-Aid can diet. One time, I mixed up too much Kool-Aid and I, I, dye, I dyed myself blue on, on the inside. And it reflected on the outside. It was like the Smurfs in my pants. It wasn't good. And now that we're talking about things that are like blue and things like that, I can start Beards and Bitchin' because it was a Beards and bitching weekend and while we went to Toronto International Film Festival because if I went to Toronto International Film Festival wherever I go obviously Rockaholic goes and so Rockaholic Beard Company went to the Toronto International Film Festival. Rockaholic Grooming Company ended up in Toronto like I say and it was a crazy weekend. It follows. I'm always armed with tons of swag and tons of cards when I go anywhere People always are like kind of like surprised when I give them like a beard oil or a beard butter or a product and they, they go for like for free. And I'm like, yeah, like for free. And they're like, really? And they're really surprised. I don't know why. It's from me to you. Well, Toronto, you're going to be that much softer to boot because I gave out so many things while I was there. I gave out like 30 oils and probably 30 butters while I was in Toronto. And some I gave to like some famous people. Some I gave to some people I don't even fucking know who they are. I had a great time. I made some new friends. I posted a few pictures of the folks that I met giving rock and gifts and giving rock and self-care to while I was in Toronto. One gentleman and his partner from Montreal. They were amazing. He had a crazy ass amazing blue beard. That's why I saw him and stopped him in the street. And she had like double colored hair and her shirt was really cool. So I stopped them in the street and I was like, hey, you want some beer? Well, and it was like for free. And then we ended up how, like talking about how he has a punk rock podcast and she makes different t-shirts for like punk rock flea markets. And I said, I do punk rock flea markets with Rockaholic, my beer company. And so they were excited and she ended up being a fan of Kitty. So it all kind of came full circle. So we got a hug and we be like became buddies and now we like keep up on the gram. So that's how you meet friends. You know, you meet friends anywhere. And we met over a blue beard, which is really cool. So I had to stop and talk to them. And uh, she's like a designer and artist and maker and her stuff's amazing. So you can check her out. I'll put a link up on my Instagram. You'll see her. But the combo like was great. Like it was amazing. It was a lot of instant friends, a lot of instant hugs, a lot of fun this weekend. I ran into a police officer this weekend. What did I do? I did nothing. I did nothing. I'm just kidding. I, he was just, uh, I was just, uh, I had just downed an edible to be perfectly honest. And I ran into a cop. Right, there's a lot of cops down there cause they're just making sure everything's cool. There's cops on horses and all kinds of shit, but I was feeling pretty bold. So I saw this cop, he had this huge beard, he had a nice beard. So I said, excuse me, officer. He turned around and he said, yes, ma'am. He said, do you use beard oil on that, on, on that majestic beard? He said, no, I don't. As a matter of fact, I'm sorry. He apologized. I said, oh, that's a crime. What are we going to do about that? And I said, 
you could use this beard oil. And I gave it to him. And he was so tickled when we took our picture together. And then he gave me the most amazing cello performance. He was a cellist and he'd been playing cello for over 50 years. What a beautiful tree. He made the like song, like this cello, he made it just cry. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. This guy was really cool. So we exchanged phone numbers. I sent him a picture for buds. Now he's going to get beard oil from the company. We talked riot training. We talked beard oil. We talked cello. We talked bass because I play bass and he plays cello. One and the same. Very, very cool. Now this week I got the new scents and the new butters dropping for, uh, for fall. I'm excited because I've got hexes and hoes. That's going to drop. It smells real nice. Ooh, I got to take it out. That's going to be like the witchy one. So maybe it has some, like, I'll give you one ingredient and like a one profile, like, note in each of them. The first note in this one is, in, 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 in hexes and hoes, before I drop it this week, is poison caramel apple. <clears throat> the next one called, it's got a vampire on, it's called drain you. I'll give you the first note in this one. It's ebony tobacco. Think vampires. And this one. Halloween. It's got this crazy old scarecrow on. You've seen it. The pictures and the, the, the descents are dropping this week. And the first note in this one is actually bourbon. Bourbon. This one's boozy. This one's, whoo, it's coming at you. It's strong. They're all really strong. They're probably some of my most complex concoctions to date. And I'm really excited for me to you. They're coming at you. Like I said, awesome. They're going to be really fun. And uh, I've also come in down with the buttercream. I'm just coming down with the scent of the month that I'm going to do every month. Because it's kind of like an all-in-one product. Because the whole point of me having Rockaholic Grooming Company in the first place was to make it accessible. And it's built on accessibility. And if I have one product that one like people can use that can't afford to use, you know, five different products, you know what I mean? That's That's four less than you have to buy you know what i mean if i shot myself in the foot like whatever but if you can get away with an all-in-one like beard conditioner that you put on like once a day then let it be this it's been working really good for for my partner he's been using the beard buttercream like for like a couple months now so i'm making a lot of it i just we're gonna see what uh i'm gonna put a vote up so you can vote in what scent of the month we're gonna have each month and you can order it through me i'll have it oh my god i'll tell you i caught a cold and i'm just at the ass end of this cold and let, let me say like because these few times this past week was my first time ever going robo i mean taking robitussin i've never taken robitussin and cough syrup in my entire life ever in my life until this weekend holy shit man that shit put me on another planet and then i shit my pants for real, I actually shit my pants this week. I sneezed and I shit myself. I was like playing fart roulette and I lost. It's fucking horrible. Ugh. Goddamn Robitussin. So it was a weird week with lots of soup and tea and hallucinating because fucking Robitussin, man. Jesus Christ. The kids are off school. I didn't have hallucinations like weird stuff, but I didn't hallucinate this. Parents trying to get you to eat when you're a kid. What did your parents say to you? What kind of lies did they spin to you and tell you and tell you? How did they, how did they get you to eat when you were a kid? 
what did they tell you? How did they indoctrinate you into eating? Because my parents, holy shit, what lies did your parents tell you? We got children are starving in other countries. And I was like, okay, well, let's get a box and you're making me feel bad and let's go send them some food because then they can have something to eat too. Not only did I have to worry about myself starving in fucking North America, now I had to start worry about like starving kids in other countries and worry about like if they were gonna starve and die. So thank you for inducing anxiety upon me, my parents, and in inducing an eating disorder. Like, and then like my grandparents had like a Polish superstition, like in the old country, if you didn't eat like, the sunshine wouldn't come out tomorrow and it would rain. You know how many times it would rain? And I think it was my fault because I didn't finish my dinner or whatever. Oh, fuck. Bullshit, you guys. It's just fucking food shaming. It's bullshit. No more food shaming your kids. Don't do it. I don't do it to mine. When they don't eat, they don't eat. I understand the food hangups because performing in a band and being expected to look in, like a certain way, like when I was in the 90s, I was expected to look a certain way because I was performing in a band and you had to look a certain way. And this leads to a hilarious conversation with my mother-in-law. And you know, as teenagers, we do things to wind up our parents. We all do it. We all did it. And so my mother-in-law was a competitive figure skater and she was very talented. And I'm talking like fucking ice capades level. She was excellent. Like she was really, really, really trained, top tier talent. So as a teenager, often, you know, at a skating competition, another weekend off at a fucking skating competition, you know, a whole weekend shot at a skating competition where she's competing against her girlfriends. I'm pretty sure she'd rather be, be, you know, like hanging out with them, not like pitting against them because rink moms are fucking hardcore, man. They're crazy. So they're scary as fuck. One evening she was airing her grievances, you know, kind of saying, you know, I wish, you know, I didn't have to do this, mom. I, I don't want to compete against these girls. They're my friends. And oh, you're going to do it. And they're staying in a hotel and it just happened to be across from the peelers, like the strip, a strip club. And her mother said, what the heck are you going to do if this ever fails for you? And so just like a smart ass, my mother-in-law said to my, like, well, I say my great grandma, like, or my grandma, really like Ninel, Rob's grandma, rest her soul. She said, well, mom, I'm going to be a stripper. I'll be the first stripper on ice skates. We can call me boobs on cubes. Well, I almost fucking fell over. Because it was like the funniest thing my mother-in-law said like all week. It was fucking hysterical. I, I, I almost died. I don't think as women, or not as women really, it's, it's like more female identified people because it's like a daughter thing. So if you're a daughter, hear me out. Like I don't think we ever fucking really ever please our mothers, which is fucked up. I don't know why. I don't think we ever do. Maybe it's a daughter thing and maybe it's just me, but I don't think we ever really please our mothers. I, it's like, you know they're proud, but you could probably like do better. Like you could probably do better. It's not a thing between mothers and sons. It's not a, thought, a thing between fathers and daughters. It's not a thing between fathers and sons. It's between mothers and daughters. It's like, you could probably do better, dear. What is it with that vibe? It's weird. It's totally weird. So the, the, the cold has exited my system. I'm just glad I didn't get like shitty because that keeps you like sick for a bit. I'm just glad I didn't get like shitty like COVID, like get the Rona or something. So like, I don't want to be like down for like two weeks because like when we did get it, we got like really sick and whatever. But like, I got lucky. And remember, now that we've had a few weeks in and we've had a few upticks of COVID here in Canada, I don't know what you're doing about it, but I'm not doing like much right now. Remember like for all of you freedom fighters, 
the last person who locked us down was Doug Ford. So that was our conservative government. I want to remember, like, I want to remind you all of that. So when you're like talking about freedom in Canada and standing up for our country and freedom, the last person who locked us down, locked us in our houses and put us in masks like pigs was that pig Doug Ford. And he's a conservative. I want you to remember that when there's like a vote when Pierre Polivier wants to be prime minister of Canada and him and his grifting ass wife, who isn't actually someone who has immigrated to Canada, which is someone he actually wants to get rid of because he wants to get rid of our Canadian immigration policy, which is ridiculous because we bring other people over here from other countries that are having problems. Like we're, Canada's beautiful because of that. We're a democracy because of that. And he wants to ruin that. And uh, him and his stupid grifter ass wife are trying to run Canada and therefore ruin Canada. He wants prime minister status. And this dude likes to, looks like fucking Millhouse without glasses. He's a joke. He's a joke of a man. If you listen... You know I'm not a fan of P.P. Pierre Pierre-Polivier. I don't like Pierre Polivier. He's an asshole. I looked at a lot of his financial records, and man, if you want a house, you better start building one of the sticks or bricks or whatever in the woods like the three little piggies because you're not going to get one because they're tearing up the fucking green belt. He wants to get rid of immigrants. He's going to put this country in hell. He wants to get rid of equal pay. He wants to get like, you know, remember when Harper... Like, got in, and the houses went up, like, 60% of what they were. And then Brian Mulroney invented GST. Can you tell me that anything that, like, that the conservative government has done that has actually been good for people that's not old, rich, and white? I'll wait. Keep your eyes and ears fucking open. Let me tell you that. When it comes to be political, and you want to talk about politics and the government, different levels of government, read. Be informed if you want to get political. Like, read every side of everything and get informed if you want to get political. I'm serious. If you want to get down with the government, you want to get anti-government especially. I'm very anti-government in a way. And I don't know, maybe it's the cough medicine, but yeah, I'm getting all serious up in your face. This is Dr. Pepper and cream soda, by the way. Send a check. Although, speaking of heavy, I found my dream base in Toronto. I'm going to tell you, I told you it was going to get heavy on your ass. But I found it Steve's, and this is a fucking serious Paul McCartney Hoffner Beetle Bass violin bass, the Hoffner Beetle Bass. I really want it, and so I'm saving my pennies for that. And just wait, because she's coming, and she will be mine. Oh, yes, she will be mine. Before November, I will have this Hoffner Beetle Bass. For now, I'm going to have a cannabis slushie. You know where to find this gal. You can find me on Instagram at 21stCenturyRockamom. You can find me streaming anywhere. I'm just streaming a little bit late right now on uh, anywhere you stream. You can find me at YouTube at Tandy Candle Channel. You can click Linktree on my Instagram. You can find me anywhere on Linktree. And then you can find me where I am. You can find me on TikTok at 21stCenturyRockamom. I'm all over the place. I'm on threads. Until then, just be good, be kind, be more kind. And I love you. And I'll see you next time in just in a few weeks. Bye.